This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two hipster ghosts who died before it was cool, Kate Lamphere. Hello. And Daniel Martinez. Bobbity is the strongest warlock in literature. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say thanks, Danny, for joining us this week. Kate had, a, had some issues that she couldn't make it today's recording, and Danny decided to step in because he read the Goodreads book of the month that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I guess before we get into things, I do have one quick announcement. Saga of Saga is back. If you're not a patron subscriber supporter, you should go over to patreon.com slash podcast. Volume 10 of Saga dropped at the early at the beginning of October. We recorded an episode. We dropped our Volume 10 review. Uh, it, and if you're interested, you can also go back and listen to all the 64 previously recorded episodes that we did where we broke down every single episode of saga or issue of saga and as well as every volume arc summary summary it's a whole big mess of a thing so instead of doing that this time we decided we're just going to go volume by volume to treat ourselves with a little bit more kindness because that that schedule before was pretty grueling anyways go check it out patreon.com slash ircb podcast get access to that ircb movie club Paul and Mike read Doom Patrol, it's, it's Candy Bar Antler Boy, which is on the main feed, but it's also there too. Go check all that out at Patre- on Patreon. The other thing I want to say is today where everyone's dressed up, we, we all have amazing costumes on because it's the day before Halloween when we're recording this. So I'm curious for the listeners at home probably who can't see us on our video feed, what are you guys dressed up? Kate, give us a description of what you're wearing right now. If you've ever seen Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beasts on Netflix, I am a lumbercat. And so I've got these little fuzzy ears and a little uh, plaid sweater. It's very cozy, very uh, simple costume, but um, I look great. I love it. It looks amazing. Yeah, I think so. It is great. Uh, well, I am uh, Optimus Prime, but only when I'm in trailer form. I'm not transforming <laughs> into the robot. So my back hurts. I see. Because I I've see. been doing this for a little while while I set up the recording. So we'll see how I'm doing at the end of the episode. I, I was going to ask you why you were so hunched over, but this all makes sense now. We're, we'll have to get a side view later. Uh, well, I'm c- clearly dressed up as Pinhead from Hellraiser. I'm obsessed. You're going to find out more about that in a minute. But I guess let's get into things. Two legally mandated questions that I need to ask. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Danny, right back to you. Well, Mike, I've been doing really well. Uh, it's been a really fun week. Uh, got to dress up for work and all that stuff, too. So that was interesting. Although mm-hmm. not not as a truck. The traffic is terrible here, and I'm definitely not going <laughs> through that. But yeah. before I get into comics, because comics have been amazing as well, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. It's a new Disney Plus series. Yeah. Uh, six episodes. They're very short, like 15 to 20 minutes tops. They focus on some unexplored characters. Or maybe some characters that we want to see more story of, uh, Ahsoka and uh, Count Dooku. So it's really good. I really enjoyed all six episodes. Some, sometimes it does feel like Dave Filoni fan fiction, but he's really good at doing that. So, <laughs> uh, so I really enjoyed them. Uh, and it, it's animated in the Clone Wars style. So if you like mm-hmm. that, I think you'll enjoy this. Uh, but as far as comics, uh, of course, I have to read a Batman book and I'm going to talk about it. Yep. Uh, this week, we got The Riddler Year One from DC Comics. Uh, this is written by Paul Dano, that Paul Dano, yeah. uh, with art by Stephen Subic and letters by Clayton Cowles. So this book is actually a prequel from the world of the Batman movie, the Mad Reeves movie. Uh, we, get, we get to see Edward Nashton evolve into the menace known as the Riddler. How did an unknown forensic accountant uncover the dark secrets of Gotham's underworld and come so close to bringing down the entire city? So... This is going to be a six issue mini. Uh, so if you I, I recommend you pick it up uh, in singles because that's just the kind of reader I am. But I know some people prefer <laughs> to. Yeah, I like to punish myself, Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, but I know some people prefer this um, just as a whole. I'm sure the collection is going to be great. Uh, but yeah, I love when DC does kind of stuff like this, that it's out of continuity. It's tied into something else. Uh, and, and I mean, who knew Paul Dano, who who better to write this character than the guy who played him in the movie? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Paul Dano is doing a fantastic job. Uh, Steven Subic is a French artist who is making their debut in these in American comics with this book. Uh, and oh, wow. Their art is amazing. Like they worked on some Conan the Sumerian stuff uh, like for the for the European comics, mm-hmm. uh, which is very different than the Conan that we have in America. Yeah. Uh, but it's great. Like really really gritty uh it, it really feels kind of like some shots from the movie like some of the darker gritty shots from the movie but then on mm-hmm. the flip side we get some more of the color so i really enjoyed this uh, i was a big fan of the movie already uh so this was kind of a like easy choice for me to do which once again it's a batman book so i'm gonna pick it up regardless 
So yeah. yeah. But no, I, I think I can totally see that. Like the the style, even just of the covers, right, of this book look and feel like that same dark Matt Reeves Batman that we got, which yeah. like, yeah, you could also say if I gave Danny a black piece of paper and said, isn't this from the Batman? He would 100 percent nod his head. Yeah. But, at, you know, really, I, I think that this this feel, the, the, the artistic feel of this book really jives with what I think Reeves is portraying. Yeah. Like if you threw a stereotypical DC artist on this it might not feel the same like you really have to get that stylistic thing and i haven't read this book but i've seen the preview pages and it looks incredible um i can't wait to get this as a collected edition because there's no way in hell i'm buying a book that says the riddler on it month to month (laughs) that's just me drawing a hard line for no reason um but i do look forward to reading this because i love the batman i absolutely loved it great wait i recommend you uh go into your room and darken out the lights and then just uh get your little flashlight and put the soundtrack for the batman on when you're reading it (laughs) yes Uh, yes yeah uh but kate how about you um what have you been doing how you been what are you reading (laughs) yeah we're actually getting like an autumn this year um i've managed to finally like actually get outside and enjoy the colors and like the the weather's not freezing which is weird like this is Mm -hmm. definitely strange i'm used to it either being absolutely like terrifyingly cold by this time or like at least all of the colors are gone because it's rained or something and this year like it's nice it's autumn it's been autumn for like three weeks it's mm-hmm. it's crazy anyway so i've been reading a lot of comics lately sometimes out on the porch um, <gasps> all of these comics are good i feel like where comics is really singing to me recently is with the nonfiction. i feel like i've been saying this but here i am again <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so good job comics for being a great medium for nonfiction. uh and you should go read some nonfiction comics <laughs> totally in particular, I just read Scene, True Stories of Marginalized Trailblazers, colon, Edmonia Lewis. So long series name, but this one is about Edmonia Lewis. This is by Jasmine Walls, and the art is by Bex Glendining. This is a short biography of the Black Ojibwe sculptor born in upstate New York in 1844. Um, And a lot of her work depicts Ojibwe and abolitionist characters in like this neoclassical marble sculpture style. So they're like they're real people from history in the style of like you'd probably know it from like Greek marble sculptures, very similar look. And I mean, this this whole book is about her life and like her childhood, how she came to be in art um, and how like her career went and everything. She actually moved around the world quite a bit, um, which is not something I think of somebody from the mid 1800s doing. But like that was very cool to read about to see like where her patrons came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this little this little story toward the end of the book that I had to share because um, it's not specifically about Edmonia, but it's about this 3,000-pound statue that she did. It's called The Death of Cleopatra, and it was lost for decades. But like, it goes through like where they think this sculpture was in the meantime, and now it's at the Smithsonian American Art Museum in Washington, D.C. Crazy I mean, story. Just, I just <laughs> hold... I, you know, I'll read the book, Kate, just to get the answer to this. <laughs> yep. How, Danny, I think you and I are we're yeah, thinking we're, the same thing. How do you lose a 3,000-pound right. statue? <laughs> That's the true feat of of ingenuity here. It's not the fact that like it was locked because that is that is that is a bad thing, right? But at the same time, you can't just like this is David Copperfield level ridiculous magic going on here, right? right? Yeah. Was well, somebody like, no, no, this is my three thousand pound Cleopatra set. It's not yours. I don't know where yours is, but this one's mine. I, I, I you know. So this thing's statue like, don't know what you're talking about. I made this one. <laughs> right. Is it night of the museum thing? Did she just like get up in the middle of the night one day and walk away and no one could find her? I mean There is a panel that's illustrated like that. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yes. Ooh, I really uh, this this sounds this. really cool though. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm glad yeah. you brought this up. I I didn't know this was a thing. Um so talking about the comic itself. The art was like pretty simple, but it did a really good job at capturing the historical likenesses of the people that I actually knew about previously. And then also like the emotions that the characters are feeling. And then like one of the coolest things about this book, other than than that it's about this character and the story about the statue, is that there are educational resources in the back of it. Like how this book fits into the common core standards used in the United States and how this Mm. book could be used to teach both about the character and about comics as a medium. Like this was definitely created to be like used in the classroom. 
Gotcha. And I think that that's amazing. Like I, the reason that I picked this up off the shelf at the library is because it's like this tiny little short book, and I, I clearly knew what it was about from the cover. I knew that it wasn't going to take a, a lot of time. Like I knew what I was getting into, um, mm-hmm. and I just think that that's a really great plan from the publisher to like get people to pick this up and um, yeah. to, to get these like marginalized stories to more readers. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is there is only one more title in this series so far, and it's about Rachel Carson. Um, and I don't know who this person is, but the cover makes it look like she's an environmentalist. So I'm definitely going to read that book. And I really hope that I see more of the series. Yeah, this is super cool. You know, it's really smart. I, I, I appreciate this from Boom Studios trying to get comics in the classroom. One, because I think if I was younger and I was reading stuff like this in school, I probably would have been like, man, comics are, are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> or I would have hated them because they were in my textbook. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's it's smart from like a comic books need to find a new way to become more profitable because the industry is, is kind of busted. Um, but at the same time, like what a great way to use the greatest medium to tell stories by telling like historical like or true true to life stories about people um who are like marginalized like this is this is like a win across the board this is amazing i'm, I'm glad that that boom is doing something like this yeah I, I wish i had learned more using comics in school because mm-hmm. textbooks are boring <laughs> right <laughs> danny known prose hater on the i feel show. like i have learned a lot from these nonfiction comics and i try to read nonfiction prose and i just can't i can't concentrate on it and I and mm-hmm. I I want to watch documentaries, but I also don't care. Like they're not interesting <laughs> enough. But comics, nonfiction comics, let's do Hell it. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! See, we're we're solving problems every day. Just turn everything into an original graphic novel. Yep. And we'll we'll be we'll get people educated. For me, really quick, I I've been all over the place. I've been watching a lot of Hellraiser. I watched Hellraiser one through five, and it's not all good, but really. It's really only five that has been bad. Hellraiser five is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, almost as bad as uh, Amsterdam that I went and saw on my birthday. Uh, so, but despite the ups and downs of this, like the inconsistencies and the continuity from the first four movies, uh, it's been really good. And I really look forward to watching number six. Like it, this is going to bleed into November. I'm just going to keep watching Hellraiser movies until there's no more to watch. I really, really enjoy the insanity that is the Hellraiser movies. If you get past the idea of a movie needs to be good or bad or it needs to be a good cinematic experience, you can really enjoy these films. Even five has its moments of of enjoyment, even though it's about the worst possible character that has it's just awful i could go on and on about it but anyways hellraiser's been great and i'm really looking forward to watching number six and so on even though i know they only get worse so uh, we'll <laughs> see how it goes uh, m- mostly because i'm looking forward to watching hellraiser that just came out earlier this year so like this is me doing the one piece experience where i can't just get you know i can't just read the latest chapters i gotta read all 1000 chapters before that i don't i don't think the hellraiser movies are as connected as the one piece franchises you you'd be surprised the first four movies connect pretty tightly together it's the fifth one that has no connection and then the sixth one i watched the first 10 minutes of it does connect back to the original two this it feels like saw like it's really reaching to try to create continuity and i think by the time you get into like seven eight nine territory either they completely abandon it or it becomes so encrenched or encroached on its own continuity that it actually implodes so we'll see we'll see i'm looking forward to it i've never seen any of these movies and so far i'm having a great time Um, like my rule of thumb is as long as one person gets hooks in their skin and becomes flayed because of it that's that's the sign of a at least one star on letterboxd at the end of the day let's talk about things that aren't people getting flayed i'm gonna i've also been reading comic books (laughs) Um, I read Legion of X number six. This is by Simon Spurrier, art by Raphael uh, T. Pimentel, colors by Federico Blee, letters by Clayton Coles. And I have to ask myself, is this my favorite X book? And I think the answer is yes. Was this issue just one of the best or am I enjoying AXE pretty much? And was this issue one? It was this issue, one of the best Simon Spurrier's written for his new wave of David Haller adjacent stories. And I want to say absolutely. Spurrier is back in this series doing less of Nightcrawlers trying to find or trying to be a cop and kind of not be a cop at the same time. And instead spends issue six doing this deep introspection thing that I really loved about his X-Men legacy run where David Haller has to constantly question 
with absolute power, the, the absolute power that he has is what he's doing the right thing. Does it actually benefit people or is it, is it him just self-serving, um, thinking that he's doing the right thing? Um, and so the whole issue is a flashback to when Uranus, if you're not caught up on AXE, there's going to be some minor spoilers here, but Uranus gets delivered to Mars to destroy it from like in all aspects after the mutants have taken it over. And David Haller goes head to head with him and they have these these crazy theoretical battles that are illustrated in in ways that I could never have imagined. I'm so glad that the creative team that's on this book is there. Like Rafael Pimentel and Federico Blee, they do such a stupendous job of drawing and putting together these insane fights. Like it's a question. Are they playing chess? Are they dancing? Are they punning? Like having a pun off? Like all of these things are happening at once on this two page spread. And it's amazing. And I think like, this whole issue is extremely well thought out. It takes all of the experiences that David Haller has had. He, he was part of existence and then he erased himself from reality and then he came back and why he came back and does that even matter? All of this is coming down to this celestial trying to judge him. And the, it, as you read more of AXE, you find that the judgment is very much like a self, self-assessment self in a lot of ways. Um, but that's a whole other piece of discussion. But anyways, this is really good. Simon Spurrier giving David Haller the chance to say, I don't care what you think. I rule me again. Probably my favorite thing. Like I want to get that tattooed like on my body. The I rule me thing is probably the greatest theme and thread that, that Spurrier has been able to drag between all of his stories about David Haller. And I love it to death. So... Is this my favorite? Absolutely. I love this series so much. Plus, I do appreciate the little like underlying narrative of whatever is going on with Banshee and this mysterious dream god. Like Spurrier's done a good job of weaving this also through the House of X, Powers of Ten, Destiny of X, whatever we're in era of X-Men. So I'm really digging that as well. I, I love this book, but I don't want to go on for forever. So Danny, what else have you been reading? Tell us something else other than X-Men, please. Well, my- <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> See, then we come at an impasse. Um, I will say I, I'm behind on this issue of uh, Legion of X, but sure. it sounds to me like someone in the creative team, if not all the creators, were fans of Neil Gaiman's Sandman because the whole concept of this abstract fighting. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's a whole thing in the books and in the TV show. So uh, I can't wait Do to I get to, to it. Do I have to read Sandman now to, to you, get all this you stuff? You might. I mean, son of a <laughs> bitch. <laughs> we, we might have to do something with the Sandman, uh, but... We can talk about that later. We'll talk and we'll get in our DMs. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure this out later. Let's get back to the X-Men uh, because uh, this, the other thing I read is Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, uh, Judgment Day number six from Marvel Comics. This mm-hmm. is a book by Karen Gillen with art by Valerio Shidi and uh, Ivan F- uh, Fiorelli with colors by Marte Gracia, letters by Clint Cowles. So this is the finale of the event, kind of, because there is an Omega issue, but don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> in this finale, I, lo- I love when Marvel promotes this stuff. They're like, nothing will ever be the same unless the heroes can find a way. Like, well, I mean, there's solid solicits for next month. So, like, I know they're going to find a way. Uh, yeah. But that's not why I read these things. I read these things because Karen Gillen for this event has been doing some really interesting stuff, just kind of deconstructing. And I really like that he focused on the Eternal. So, uh, I don't think I can. Uh, do justice to just speaking about this issue. So I, I won't give you like a full assessment of the issue uh, of the whole event, but I highly recommend it. Uh, if not, if you don't want to read an event, at least go read Karen's Eternals run. Yeah, uh, because it's, totally it's fantastic. Uh, the way that Karen has updated uh, the lore and the mythology uh, and how it kind of everything evolved into this and how he was able to pull in like all the Krakoa stuff. And then the Avengers felt a little bit like Oh, we're just here because we're just here because yeah. we're the Avengers. But then he actually managed a way to kind of fold them in into the story. It was great. Uh, every uh, artist. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting over here trying not to scream and yell, Danny. <laughs> listen, listen, Mike. Uh, we he, might have to do like a one off. Like maybe we'll do like a live thing where we talk. We do a retrospective. On yeah, this yeah, AXE yeah, we should. Thing. Yeah. Uh, once we find the correct reading order, we'll yeah, try to yeah. put that together first. Um uh, <laughs> Because every tie-in is also, like, really good. And uh, I would even say everything, anything that Gillen wrote, uh, I would say is kind of crucial to the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the other ones are kind of fun, uh, but you can kind of do without them to the main story. But Gillen's, like, uh, specifically those three one-shots. Um, 
but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it in the in the postmortem for uh, we'll have our own <laughs> Omega episode of Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. But it's fun. I just I love these Marvel events. This is one of the reasons I love comics uh, because they can do all this weird crazy bombastic stuff uh and then kind of pick up again and just start over like oh okay it's done now we move on to the next thing right <laughs> um so this is Danny. this is why we had to have you come on the show because you are the antithesis to my thoughts on event books and i appreciate it <laughs> that's right i'm here to be uh mike's foil yes. uh but yeah this was this was great uh so I uh, highly enjoyed it. Make sure to check it out. Like I said, the art is also out of the world, but uh, I don't have enough good words to, to say about uh, Valerio Shitty's art. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, highly recommend it. So Mike, uh, I'm gonna throw it back to you. What uh, what else have you been reading? Well, I've been reading Once in Future number 25. Uh, this is the last, the beginning of the end of the series, right? This is the first issue of the last arc. Um, I was meant to get through the whole thing, and then I just had a busy schedule. But I read this first issue. This is Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora on art, colors by Tamara Bonvalin, and letters by Ed Dukeshire. I'm ready for this end series to end, but in like the best way, like this is like looking forward to the last book in a series. This is like looking forward to the final movie in a trilogy, knowing that this is the end, knowing everything that's at stake, knowing everything that's been built up is so exciting. I was like harshly reminded in the first issue. Like I I took some time off from this book because I I like reading it in arcs. I did a big reread a few months back where I read just like one through 24 and it was so much fun. And I was reminded that this book is so much fun. Like it's an absolute riot of comedy with sprinkles of drama and an absurd amount of Arthurian and old English lore. The latter always being explained because people like me do not have that kind of knowledge in our heads. Like I don't know anything about how King Arthur's court works for like the implicit magic and of storytelling and how like these archetypes are actually created crucial to the way in which history transpired when we reflect back upon it. And that in itself is a magic. Like, I don't know how any of that works, but now I do. Thanks to Kieran Gillen's amazing book, Um, like Dan Mora as well. Like he's on top of his game with Tamra Bondlin and on colors. If you've seen Dan Mora's other art, like if you've read some of those Klaus books, you know that this guy is unparalleled in his style and just the way that he draws insane Things that feel almost realistic, right? Like everything in Once in Future feels like feels like it could be like realistic horror, um, but in a way that is almost okay to look at. And I don't know, his his characters and expressions and all of the designs of everything that he puts into this book is just stupendous. This book always has a fun look and a super re- really well-defined color palette, not in a way that's like classic, like a giant days, but more so in that. Tamara Bonvalin is experimenting with like really interesting like neon patterns and like color explosions that you wouldn't think would work with an action book that's about like King Arthur and like the, you know, in in a modern day like action adventure book. But it super duper works. And I think Dan, Dan Mora has always worked with colorists that do this. And it might be Tamara Bonvalin and all these other books that I'm thinking of that he's worked on. But man, it this book has such a fun look. All the characters look really cool. All the villains look really even like even cooler. I don't think that there's a book out there that's doing fantasy in such a cool way. And I say that because Marauders or not Marauders, all these 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 X-Men books that were trying to do all this kind of fairy tale stuff tried to do a similar feel and and stuff and just never hit the mark um, like in art and in storytelling. And I think this book is like that a perfect mix. Um, And the thing for me, though, that makes this book work is like Gillen is really fun and he's really clever about reinterpretations and things that I as a person who grew up on the idea of like knights and folk heroes via the Disney pipeline, I thought that I understood. But playing with the idea of magic as rules rather than magic as a way to break rules is such a fun thing. And it's not new by any means. But I think the Way that Gear- Gillen uses it throughout the story to kind of like add hard lines that can't be crossed until later when the lines have become so crossed they're no longer lines like it's is really entertaining and every issue of this book or every arc of this book really adds another layer of complexity onto things and now getting into this final arc I'm so excited to see it all kind of fall down like Kate I really think that you would like this book I'm just gonna throw that out there I feel like you jive with like the like Arthurian, like old English style fantasy. And I think like, I think you would get a kick out of some of the clever stuff in this. So I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. You should check it out because boom, it's probably at your library. <laughs> I I think I read like the first three issues of this and intended to follow it in singles. And then I just, I just don't read comics and singles anymore. So yeah, sure. I need to pick this up now that it's getting collected into trades. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's four volumes out now. I think the fifth one is going to be the last one. And mm-hmm. like, 
it's going to be a perfect ending for you. All I want now, Mike, is uh, the team that did this to do Excalibur. Uh, and you put that in my head, and I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll never be satisfied. Uh, but yeah, I love I love this book as well. All I knew mm-hmm. about King Arthur was like the Disney movie, and this is way yeah, different than that, right? That's what I'm so, saying. Um, so yeah, highly recommend it as well. The the thing that kills me about this book is like the core conceit, and I don't want to spoil it because I think it's really cool. But like the core conceit of this store or of this comic being a thing that i think we as readers take it like for granted and gillen goes no 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 you think you understand what myth is what myth actually is is this thing and like he plays upon it over and over and over and over to the point where like i was blatantly ripping it off in some of my DD planning i was like i can't do this everyone's read this comic they would already know <laughs> what i'm gonna do so um yeah it's it's really really good i i really love it but um let's let's Switch gears a little bit. Let's move to comics that are coming out or comics that we're looking forward to reading. We're going to be talking about comics that are on the top of our pile every week on I Read Comic Books. We pick a book that is is either going to come out or has already come out and is sitting on our shelf and we want to read it. So let's talk about the books that we're going to be reading next. I'm going to kick things over to you, Kate. What are you reading next? What's on the top of your pile? I am so excited for this book. It's called Shunna's Journey and it's by Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, And I don't know if I heard about this like a year ago because they were working on the translation of it or if I just happened to find it when I was looking into different like manga um, translated books, that kind of thing. Um, But there's a translation now this week. um, And this uh, so back up a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm, This mm -hmm. manga was first published in 1983, but it's never, it was never translated into English somehow, even though it's by this very famous creator. Um, This is a a retelling of a Tibetan folktale, but at the same time, if you're familiar with Miyazaki's work, this is going to be similar to like Princess Mononoke or Tales from Earthsea. And I want to mention uh, that this is translated by Alex uh, Dudak DeWitt um, and published by First Second. So thank you uh, to (laughs) those people, because this is going to be so exciting. Uh, and the translator tweeted some preview panels that make this look like a combination of maybe like colored pencils and watercolor. And I can like, I can see Miyazaki and the art, like the, the kind of same forms that we're used to from his animated movies, but it's Mm -hmm. not as smooth and refined as the anime. But at the same time, I find it to be like incredibly enchanting somehow, like even in in kind of its roughness, it's almost just more sincere somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one hundred percent could see that in the previews. I think like there's a lot of like fan translations of this on the internet. Um, so looking at this, in I mean fan translation, I mean it's you know it's scanlations, folks. Um, but <laughs> I I think the like the art style itself is it reminds me of that prince. Is it Princess Mononoke who I'm thinking of with like the the forest beast and yeah. stuff and you know. Reminds me very much of that. And but the the unrefinedness feels very boom studios to me. Like I've seen plenty of other individual like or graphic novels come out that have this like very loose look to them, but it makes them feel like 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 there's a lot of love put into them, right? There's it's messy but with care in a way. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, this looks good. I did not know this was coming out this week. Sorry, go ahead, Danny. I was just saying this sounds super cool because we all know all the cool manga came out in the eighties. Uh, <laughs> we just never we just never got it here until later. Right. Thank you, Dragon right. Ball, for that. Um yeah, so I'm looking forward to this as well. Cool. Well, Danny, what about you? What's on the top of your pile? Well, you know, uh Mike Kate uh gave us something with a lot of substance, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of junk food. Uh <laughs> Uh, because uh, I'm going to read Secret Invasion from Marvel Comics. Oh, That's my right. God. They're bringing it back. They are reusing the title. Uh, <laughs> and I'm super excited because, first of all, we are getting a Secret Invasion show. So, of course, they have to put out a comic. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very excited because of the team as well. Uh, this one's going to be by written by Ryan North with art by Francesco Mobili, colors by Jordi Belair, uh, letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, the quick synopsis is that the scrolls are back. Because of course, uh, yeah. <laughs> this uh, this is gonna be a five part miniseries where Maria Hill detects the the slightest hint of scroll activity and she immediately springs into action, uh, sending Nick Fury to investigate. 
Uh, and of course, we have this whole theme of like, who can you really trust? Which was the whole thing of the first one. Uh, and uh-huh. the invasions happening. So I'm excited to see how this is going to be different from that. Because I, I, I mean, th- there's a very distinct... The first Secret Invasion had a lot of uh, implications for the larger universe uh, as a mm-hmm. whole for Marvel. This doesn't feel like it's going to be that. And I think they're just kind of playing with us by giving us this name. Uh, yeah. Which, which I, I really like when big publishers, they try to like play with our expectations a little bit and give us a little trick. Uh, because sometimes you get some really fun stuff uh, sure. like the Vision book, which nobody expected that to be as good as it was. Sure. Uh, so there's always my hope. And I know that this may not be as good as that, but uh, but Ryan North's a really good writer. I really like the stuff that Ryan North does and the team behind it. Uh, so I'm excited for this. Uh, Danny, I'm happy that you're happy. That's I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's all I can ask for, really. Uh, what about you? Uh, what about you? What's going on with you? Uh, well, I guess before I get into mine, we had some folks hanging out with us on Discord. Uh, I want to shout out Kev, who's reading chapter 114 of One Piece on their One Piece journey. I'm very excited for Kev to get caught up so we can all finally talk about what's happening on chapter 1068 or 69, whatever we're on. But for me... Well, I said I was obsessed with Hellraiser, and I'm going to continue it. Hellraiser Omnibus Volume 1 is my top of my pile pick because I just can't get enough Hellraiser. As I said, dressed up as Pinhead today. I've got needles and and, and nails all over my head. If, if you've seen the Hellraiser movie, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, this is a massive omnibus. It's like 22 plus chapters or something, plus a prelude with writing credits from Clive Barker, Christopher Munfete, Anthony de Blasi, Rob Humphreys, Mark Miller, not Mark Millar, different Mark Miller, and Brandon Seifert, art by Leonardo Manco, Jesus Hervas, uh, Stephen Thompson, Janus Orden, Michael Mana. There's so many names on this book because no one person could possibly come up with 22 stories about Hell, uh, Pinhead and the Hellraiser series. So I don't know what to expect out of this. I, I did read like 20 or 30 pages into it, and it's really, really interesting art where people are just getting tortured and kind of you know what that's what i expected um there's seems to be some lore in this book though about the cenobites if you don't know the cenobites like pinhead is one of them there are multiples there are potentially hundreds because they're demons or they're angels depending on how you see them if you like pain or pleasure no boy that's 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 neither here nor there but anyways i'm i'm excited to read this just to get more hellraiser in my life and uh it's it's gonna be fun so i look forward to reading this and i will report back once i'm truly damaged by all the hellraiser content that i'm going to be taking over the next couple weeks Oh, one other thing I do want to shout out. I saw as I was going through League of Comic Geeks, because that's where I go every week to try to figure out what I'm going to talk about, whether it's going to be a new book or if it's just something I'm going to pull off my shelf. I saw a book that is called I'm a Terminal Cancer Patient, but I'm fine. Trade paperback that's coming out this week. I'm guessing that this is a light novel that, you know, is being printed as a manga or was recreated as a manga. But the cover is a little bunny who is attached to an IV. So I don't know if this is cute or this is going to be devastating. I almost am curious enough to pick it up. So if you're looking for something that looks like it's going to be both cute and depressing, <laughs> I'm a terminal cancer patient, but I'm fine by Hill Nama coming out from Penguin Random House. So look for that. I guess it's published by Seven Seas. But anyways, um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about our Goodreads book of the month. Spooky Not Scary was the theme. And we all picked a book when we read it. And we're going to talk about it. So we will be right back. For our show this week, we are talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month. The theme this month was spooky, not scary. We were looking for books that aren't going to scare your pants off, but have a little bit of spook factor to them. For this month's book, we skimmed through and scanned all of the comments that we got on our thread for the month of October, and we decided to pick one of the books that was nominated by one of the Goodreads folks, Cryptid Club. This is by Sarah Anderson. I think we've talked about Sarah Anderson a lot over the last couple of weeks. I think a lot of us are reading this book as well as some of her other books. Um, But the story of this book, it's not really a story. It's kind of a collection of webtoons. So if you like Sarah's work, I think you're going to love this book. But the premise is 
So do you do you hate social gatherings, dodge cameras, enjoy staying up a little bit too late at night? You might have more in common with your local cryptid than you think. Enter the world of Cryptid Club, a look inside the adventures of elusive creatures ranging from Mothman to the Loch Ness Monster. This humorous new series celebrates the unique qualities that makes cryptids so desperately sought after by mankind to no avail. After all, it's what makes us different that also makes us beautiful. This is a wonderful, wonderful little book. Yeah, I um, this was a jessica's pick in the goodreads group and they had this really nice quote that i wanted to read and that says cryptid club was so cute and fun exactly what you'd expect from the sarah scribbles author it was definitely a refreshing change from all of these scary spooky reads and watches this time of year highly recommend for a light halloween read and jessica i totally agree Yes. So for our Goodreads books or Goodreads book of the month episodes, we've been kind of changing up how we're doing things. So for today, you know, we're we're going to round robin. We all picked three points that we wanted to talk about with this book um, rip off from our good friend 70 millimeter. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but we're going to go through it. And then at the end, we're going to talk about what we liked, what we disliked uh, and would we recommend it and what our Goodreads rating is. So I guess to get things started, Danny, what's your what's your first point? What did you what, what do you want to say about Cryptid Club? Well, I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Anderson's work. Uh, I find the the humor just really connects with with some like it's just very silly and very lighthearted, but I really mm-hmm, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was no exception. I mean, this was it kind of fits right into the other stuff, like the, especially the stuff we. I see a lot of Sarah's work more online than than yeah. me actually picking up books. But when there is a book uh, that Sarah announces for pre order or something, I will definitely click add to cart because uh, because I know it's I'm gonna enjoy it. Um, so I, I it, it tends to be a little weird uh, and unusual stuff, and this is no exception. Uh, I really like that the focus on the cryptids, uh, specifically the chupacabras and the mm-hmm. Mothman ones. Those are probably my favorites because neither of their dialogue was in English. Chupacabra uh-huh. was uh-huh. speaking Spanish and Mothman was because the Mothman is like a fourth dimension being like no one <laughs> understands what they're saying. So like it just really adds an, a little extra uh layer on top of all this stuff so i i thought it was very smart very much fun so totally sarah's humor is is unbelievably good i think like she really has nailed what makes things funny online like her content works so well for the internet like medium it's it's amazing yeah i i agree i agree uh kate what about you yeah picking up from our love of sarah anderson (laughs) Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love how she draws nervous faces like you get these little pinched mouths and then the character is like sweating which mm-hmm. is very simple like that's just a little bit of line work but it's yeah. so effective like I know exactly what, what that character is feeling yeah she has a way of portraying very strong emotions in really subtle ways I think that like there's very few artists out there who can do it as well as she can I totally agree yeah she, she does so much with very little and that's very hard to do and, but it works. It just really works on, on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what was one of your points? Yeah, so I I was thinking about this, you know, trying to have some diverse thoughts and ideas about this book. And <laughs> the thing that I, I kind of came to realize is, you know, this this was originally published on, on Webtoons and Tapas. I think it's published on a couple different Webtoon sites, right? So you could read all of this online for free, or you can go buy the very nice hardcover edition that's available. Um, I highly recommend it because, one, it's super cute, and two, it looks nice on a shelf. But... I think that the thing that I loved about this book and I've loved about a lot of her work in general is that all of her comics, they work so naturally in every medium that they're in, whether it's physical, whether it's digital. This book, like I said, started as a webtoon and tapas vertical scroll comic, but it instead it does or it continues to follow her like one to four to eight panel style of of, of comic storytelling. Um, and it works whether it's physical, whether it's digital, like you can scroll through it or you can read it in four panels in a square. Or you can read it all vertically or you can read it all left to right like a Charles Schultz strip. Something that she I, I don't know if this is intentional or maybe this is just how comics work. And I'm I'm having an, you know a breakthrough moment in my head over nothing. But I do appreciate that her ability to kind of tell these little micro stories works no matter how you kind of arrange things or what kind of format it is. It always delivers the same way that punchline is always there and so such a brilliant way. 
Um, and I, I just love that. Like to go back to, you know, what Danny was saying, like her humor is, is in, in Kate, what you were saying, like her sense of humor is so great and it works because I think she's really has a master understanding of what makes a good strip comic. Like, I think there are a lot of people who try to make strip comics or short form comics like this, and they don't succeed as well because they don't have this, whatever innate thing that Sarah has managed to capture over the many years of her creating comics, which, you know, her mastery has come from experience but even still uh, it's really impressive to see that after all these years she's still able to knock it out of the park yeah i'm glad you mentioned the the paneling because i got to a page where it's actually like six rectangles and Mm -hmm. that felt so because i think that's the only one that's like that so yeah i was reading it i borrowed this from hoopla uh so i was reading it on my ipad and when we got to that page like everything kind of compressed and i'm like well this is different this is like and then the other thing I really appreciate on the paneling is that sometimes there's like a fifth panel that's un- unsaid and then the reader, you, you like she gives the reader enough credit to fill in the, the blank of the joke, right? To finish yeah. it, uh, which is that that's courageous. Like like not, uh, some, like <laughs> a lot of creators will just put that extra thing in there yeah. uh, and not let the reader catch up. But but Sarah doesn't do that. Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll go. I guess that was kind of like following up on you. But but as I was reading the book as well. Uh, I was thinking, oh, there should be a glossary here because I'm not familiar with some of these cryptids. <laughs> oh, yeah. And lo yeah. and behold, I get to the end of the book and there's a glossary for everything. Uh-huh. Like the Nightwalkers, I didn't know what, like, because those are on the cover. Uh, yeah. They're dancing. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what those are. I've never heard of that. Or the, or the Flatwoods. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never heard of either of those. But luckily, uh, I, I guess maybe I wish the glossary had been at the front so I could just kind of go through all the cryptids and and then uh, go through all that. But but I'm glad there was a glossary because that was something I really desperately needed. And it's very interesting to see just, I love the lore of all these creatures mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of like, <laughs> especially the new ones that I didn't know about or the ones that were kind of made up more recently, like the siren, uh, siren head uh, creature or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Okay. this And this is part of the thing that I love about cryptids in general is that, they are as creepy or stupid as you want them to be, right? <laughs> like like Fresno Nightwalker, if you look that up on the internet, you'll be taken to a wiki page for cryptids fan. I don't know. I found a fandom wiki that I was looking yeah. that I'm looking at right now. The images and the pictures and stuff look like found footage, and for me, that like scares the living bejesus out of me. If you look at what Sarah has drawn, they're just cutesy little, like long-legged, sassy little characters, <laughs> and yes. I'm like, that's not scary. He's, that thing's not going to hurt me. He just wants to have fun on the forest. <laughs> so, like, cryptids are, you know, because they're all made up. I don't care what anyone says; they're all made up. It's it's fun to see her reinterpret this thing that could be very scary. Like Mothman, I know is very scary to a lot of people, but then she turns it around and turns it into like this dumb kind of like he's just in this overly enlightened being that just lives around and it's also a moth you know i i always i do appreciate that because i think you could easily be scared by any of these creatures just the, the mystery the unknown about them but sarah takes that and then gives them all little personalities that make them a lot of fun this is kind of like another point that i had too is like she takes these characters and she gives them all little personalities so you can have fun with them so as you read through the whole book you start to understand who they are and so by the end they're all like really cute and they're all kind of fleshed out in a way that makes them really enjoyable um overall i had actually forgotten about about the Fresno Nightwalkers, like I going back to, I wish that the glossary had been at the front of the book. Um, mm-hmm. But I had known about them. Like I had, I had watched some video recently on YouTube that was talking about the modern cryptids, and that was in there. So this was in my brain someplace. But when I was reading this book, I completely like forgot that I knew that information. So I was like, oh, this is just like a secondary alternative ghost illustration. These ghosts like <laughs> leg workouts and shoes. And I mean, I had no complaints about that. I was like, how how cool. What a unique idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, like I, I love that that if you didn't know about these things, she introduces them to you in a way that's like not harmful or not scary. It's kind of just like, here's a fun little guy. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, like the Slenderman being a good babysitter, being good with kids. <laughs> yes, when the Slenderman is probably one of the most uh, terrifying things that have come out in the past few years. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or playing with the Kraken, with the baby Kraken, just yeah. because they both kind of have tentacles somehow. Like it, 
yeah, all that stuff, really good stuff. Right. And again, it, it just comes back to like, this is a, a harmless way to introduce these things that are kind of out in the zeitgeist um, in one way or another. Um, and, and then you end up like with all these personalities and you kind of think of them at the end, like who's going to be scared of a sleep paralysis demon who has social anxiety, right? Like Mothman loves wearing light up shoes. That's not scary. Like how could you be scared of ghosts who just want to take photos with you? Those aren't orbs. Those are ghosts just trying to photobomb, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like taking all these things that I think have creeped people out over years and years and then trying to have fun with them in a way that is not like, making fun of the idea of them or making fun of the fears, but instead playing with them to say like, oh no, this actually shouldn't be scary. It's just a goof. I, I love that because I don't know, I'm the type of person that gets very like creeped out by like aliens and demons and found footage stuff. But then like all of those, like Slender Man scared the living bejesus out of me yes. when I was younger. It, like in college, watching those videos with my friends in the dark, I was like, absolutely not. Even though I know this is really bad CG, but at the same time, like... <laughs> still scared the hell out of me right but then to see him it's just like oh no he just do you have any idea how hard it is for me to get tailored suits like what a funny joke like yes <laughs> i don't know this i love this book that like that was one of my points too is just like this the personality of these characters really adds to the flavor of them being ridiculous um and that makes them more fun and easy to interact with i think for some people but uh, Kate, I don't know. What, what's another point that you had? I don't know if you're sitting on something else. Yeah, um, this is a, a really good place to bring this up, actually. Um, I like how the cryptids like paired up over the course of the book. Like like the siren puts out a um, like an ad for siren wants to meet another siren and then siren heads shows up and they're like, well, this is awkward. Uh, or like <laughs> the Slenderman and the, and the Flatwoods monster. Like the fact, I don't know, they're both like these kind of forest creatures just these really cute little pairings that kind of like make sense if you kind of remove them from like the spooky like the 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 mystery of of it um mm -hmm. and then also there was something about there was something very charming about like bigfoot and nessie being best friends except that they like to me i'm like hang on they have these specific locations in the world where they are attached to like they can't be best friends and hang out on the pier and then you see the aliens come down and like give rides to these cryptids and and take <laughs> yeah. cows for their leader that just likes cows innocently right. and i'm like oh okay the aliens are uber <laughs> i like the aliens had one that said uh uh what is it abduct not oh man i forget the joke but it was like like an adopt don't shop but it was abduct instead mm -hmm. uh with the with the animals that was really good yeah and again this this like sense of humor works for all of us you know we're millennials who like i think really enjoy this sense of like awkward kind of like unexpected like i mean comedy is just on un unexpected results out of something but like i think that sarah nails it for us and i don't i don't know how well this would translate to other like groups of folks but i feel like I would like to hope that this is all like universal because cryptids have been around in like the cultural mind for years and years now. So to see like a really playful way to just take them and kind of simplify them down into these really base things, bring them up to date with like modern whatever, you know, bringing in like a slender man kind of adds a layer to like, oh, no, these like younger Gen Z kids who get freaked out about, you know, slender man on the Internet are obsessed with it. I don't know. I only say this because my nephew is obsessed with like slender man stuff. And I don't know why <laughs> I think like I could hand him a book like this. And if he he had like a, a brief idea of who some of these cryptids were he'd probably get a kick out of even though he's like 13 you know uh, is he's not gen, is that's not gen z that's that's gen alpha uh, who knows uh, gross okay <laughs> but I, I agree with mike buy this book give it to a boomer and then come back and let us know what they thought uh <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly i don't know did you guys have any other any other points we kind of touched on everything i had but i want to make sure we get through what everything you guys had yeah i have one little caveat i guess and, and it's it, it definitely not a negative because i really enjoyed the book uh i don't think a book like this is meant to be consumed in one sitting uh oh, i sure. think for better enjoyment you want these little jokes in small doses because that's kind of the original format of it being on the internet uh, so mm -hmm. it's a perfect coffee table book or a, a book that you can have with you at all times. And then when you have a little bit of downtime, you just pick it up uh, and, and read a few pages. Because if you read it all at once, you're going to get through it like in, I don't know, 15 minutes probably. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it, it reads very quickly uh, if you try to go through it all at once. And then after a while, it's just like joke, 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 joke. So you you don't you don't want to do that because that's not mm -hmm. the and I don't I don't think that was the intention from the author. So, right. 
yeah, this is very much like a, a coffee table book in some ways where like you can kind of just pick it up and flip through a panel and then maybe just get a little joke or something like that, which I don't know anybody who does that. I don't know anybody <laughs> who picks up something like that and just like sits and like they want to do that. But if you wanted to, if you were that type of person, <laughs> it's Halloween, you put out your copy of Cryptid Club, you put out your copy of Junji Ito's Censor, and then you say like, hey, I got something for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know if people still have coffee tables, but if you do, this is perfect for that. <laughs> true, true. I do have a coffee table. It's an antique. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I guess, did you guys have, I guess, final thoughts here? Or did you like this book? Would you recommend it? And the the hardest question in the universe, what's your Goodreads rating for this book? So I guess we'll we'll start with you, Kate. I rated it a five out of five. I loved it. I thought that it was mm-hmm. adorable and cute and definitely rereadable. I would definitely recommend this to people who like cute things, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is not everybody somehow, but <laughs> yes, I I recommend it. Gotcha. Danny, what about you? Uh, I also recommend this book a lot. I think I really enjoyed it. Um, I I gave it a 3.5, but I think that's only because I didn't know that this was something I should have spaced out. Because uh, you, you guys sure. mentioned it uh, a few a few people's top of the top of the pile was mm-hmm. this book, and I was like, oh, I want to read this too. Uh, and then you know, I kind of just ran through it, and I was like, oh, I should have I should have spaced it out a little bit more. Uh, but highly, highly recommended for sure. Yeah, I, I went with a four out of five for me. Like, again, I don't think this is a book that you sit down and read. Um, I think something like personally, I think something like Fangs is actually like a stronger book in general, even though that is also a series of short, like one off stories that you can kind of read un- unrelated. So, yeah, but yeah, this is really fun. I would like definitely recommend this to anyone who's like into cryptids and needs something that's not just like Bigfoot's coming to steal your toenail, you know, like anything crazy. <laughs> Instead, it's like, here's some quirky little fun stories about all your favorite cryptids, you know, um, and then almost like reach out to Sarah to ask her to put your your next favorite cryptid in her, in the story if this story continues. So, um, yeah, four out of five. I think this is really, really fun. I guess to wrap things up, Spooky Not Scary was a big month. We have a lot of different books that we could have read. We all read Cryptid Club. But as we were thinking about this, we all had a couple different books that we were sitting on. So, Kate, I guess let's start with you. What were some of the other books that you had on your list that either you have read or you want to read? I picked up a new book for me. Uh, this is called Crema by Johnny Christmas and art by Dante Louise. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a comicsology original that's free to read for Amazon Prime subscribers. And it's it's really short and a quick read. And I like sat down thinking, oh, I'm going to read a whole volume. It's going to be 150 pages. It's going to take me mm-hmm. at least an hour. Read it in like 20 minutes. This is about Esme, who is a bartender who can see ghosts when she drinks coffee. Like you get into that. I was like, I've definitely been in this mind space before where I have drank too much coffee and it is a problem. <laughs> and I'm about to see some ghosts, but like she actually yeah. does. And she meets Yara, who is an heiress to a Brazilian coffee plantation. And the plantation is under a curse, or is it a blessing? Um, <gasps> and it's a very cute little story between the two of them. But then there are some like, you know, ghosts and and you work through like what this curse slash blessing is. And I sure. do want to say um, there are some, this is LGBT and it's got some sexy scenes. So just be prepared for that. Um, I really like this art style between like the line work and the color mm-hmm. scheme. It kind of has like this like earthy kind of like very real gritty feel to it but then you like the actual artwork is very clean and clear and there is nothing that is like really dirty about it at all but it mm-hmm. just gives you this sense of like you're working in the earth to to grow your coffee plants and make your coffee and specifically i really like the these these like simple little pages that separate parts of the story and normally i'd be like these are the issue covers but they're really like they're not really issue covers they're more like like part pages or like pages that just label the acts of the story and all they are is a it's a coffee plant in different stages of of life i guess and then a mm-hmm. a word that labels the act and it's it's always a coffee it's a it's a coffee phrase. It's a reference to coffee. And I just thought that gotcha. it was very nice. Cool. I, I I love Johnny Christmas writing and the art preview for this looks incredible. So I'm 100 percent going to check this out. This looks awesome. Uh, Danny, what about you? What's what's on your list? What else were you reading this month or planning to? I, I did read one more book uh, that never gets talked about on this podcast. Really? Uh, yeah, it's called <laughs> Witch, it's called Witch Hat Atelier Volume One. Huh. 
What's Never that book about, that. Danny? <laughs> uh, it's by Kamome Shirahama, published by Kadansha in North America. Uh, you know, someone on, on the Goodreads group mentioned it. So, no, of course, you guys have all raved about this book. So I, this yeah. was finally my chance to get into it. Uh, so for those that haven't heard those episodes, real quick, uh, the series follows a girl named Coco who dreams of being a witch. But in her world, only those with, a mag- with magical abilities are to become witches. However, after meeting Quiffery, uh, it seems that there may be hope for Coco after all. Uh, man, I... So you open this volume and there's like six color pages and I just want to live in those pages. They are stunning. This is, I mean, the art is amazing nonetheless, but those first six pages, like I understand why this is published monthly Mm -hmm. uh, because there is no way you get this level of detail on a weekly schedule. Um, and, and, but we do get a larger chapter count, which is, which is really fun. I think the first book contains five chapters, but do you end up with like, 200 something pages anyway so really yeah. cool stuff uh i like that it follows some of the manga tropes that i'm familiar with from reading other you know from reading more like more and stuff uh but it also just seemingly like it builds on this world and introduces these characters that are really cool uh and it plants all these little seeds for the larger story right uh i really really enjoy that and it's it's definitely not scary but it does have some spooky vibes i mean when it comes to uh, a certain witch uh character design Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty jarring uh and then even just the exploration of these forbidden spells and all that stuff uh yeah yeah like there's especially in the first volume what happens to one of the characters i'm like oh no, <laughs> yeah. no don't do that uh and then coco's like one of the most adorable characters that i've ever read in manga so i'm like <laughs> i feel so bad but yeah i really i really enjoyed that book um, hell yeah I, I gave this one a four out of five and i'm gonna continue on uh i'm gonna go get my witch hat after this, and then continue. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I grabbed the the last three uh, collections of this when I was recently at my comic shop because I I've owned the first four volumes and I read them all recently again. Um, so I was like, all right, gotta keep up with the series. Yes, yes, I'm I'm so glad. I'm I will convert every single person on this planet to witch hat. <laughs> uh, Kamami Shirahama's art is un paralleled as far as i'm concerned if you need more if you want more in your life you should read the Inali and dewalia series that she did the three volume series about an angel and devil who just get up to hijinks Uh, i know i've talked about it on the show before but it is it's fantastic not spooky not scary but it's really really good um but yeah i'm glad i need them to trend to translate the witch head in the kitchen spinoff because i really want to check it out (laughs) me too i have the japanese copy of volume one but i'm like i don't know what anything says i don't read japanese maybe that's what we need to do we need to learn japanese instead of waiting for all these books to get translated we could just become manga translators that's that's that's, you know what danny we'll talk about this after the show um (laughs) but i do want to shout out i guess two books one (laughs) i think that this is not scary uh it's spooky but not scary this is censor by junji ito i think this is a junji ito book that is scary it has some or it's 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 not scary it's spooky but it's not scary there's not as far as i remember not any two two horrific things in the book maybe one page but overall i feel like compared to some of the other junji ito books that i've read this is more suspenseful and it's kind of a mystery it's kind of a weak story but it's also like if you just want to be a little spooked out like this book totally works um but really the book that i do want to talk about the most is <clears throat> the girlfriend i didn't really give a description uh, what if hair came out of the sky and made you into a cultist that's kind of the the main story so maybe it's a little <laughs> scarier than than some people want but the girl from the other side by nagabe um this is a slightly creepy book but more than anything it's it's just got kind of like a dark vibe to it um like everything feels dark it feels like it's in a vignette um there's a lot of questions about unknowns and what the other side is and what these outsiders are that live on the other side if you see this book it's essentially about a story about an outsider who's this antlered person who is all in black but they wear human clothes who's taking care of this little girl who's like four years old her name is shiva and the world that they live in is abandoned by all humanity and we don't really know why so there's this kind of creepy factor to it but for all of the darkness and kind of 
spookiness of this story, Shiva is this beacon of light and innocence throughout the tale. It's, this is 11 volumes long. It's wonderful. It's probably one of my favorite manga that's ever been made, um, but it does have a little bit of a spooky factor to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, really good. I think it totally works in the vibe of spooky, not scary. Um, so if you're looking for something that's just kind of like a little kind of dark, but not going to like jump scary or try to, you know, throw horrible things at you, this book totally fits that vibe. Is it only 11 volumes long or is it still going on? It is over 11 volumes wow. done. They put out a 40 minute animated movie very recently that they they bat or this they created on Kickstarter. I think you can stream it on like Crunchyroll and stuff now. But um, yeah, I got the like. I very much love this series, so I got like the super deluxe Blu-ray edition that I can never watch because I don't think I, I think it's region locked or something. But yeah. like, um, it's really really cool. I really love this series. Nagabe is probably is like one of the most talented manga artists, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, but yeah, really love Girl with the Other Side. Everyone should read that. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, I guess to wrap up the show here, um, I want to thank you guys for being on the episode. Uh, next week on IRCB, I don't have my schedule open, but uh, next week on I read comic books, you can look for me, Nick, and Paloma. We're going to be talking about comic shop stuff. We're going to talk about comics in general. Paloma hasn't been on for a minute, so we're just going to be catching up with her. Um, it's going to be a fun time, so make sure to check that out next week. I want to say you can always find us on the internet, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Discord, you know, Goodreads. You can listen to episodes live on our Discord every week on Sundays when we record. You can support us on Patreon and get access to Saga Saga, the upcoming I IRCB movie club volume or issue 12 is going to be covering blade so spoilers it's a day or two early but the votes have it we're going to be talking about blade this month so look forward to that at the end of november infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander wait no he's already in the house uh, i want to say thank you to danny and kate <laughs> for being on this episode thank you to paul for hanging out with us thank you to paul jaceley for proof listening to today's episode and until next time comics are good and so are you